Hey y'all, I'm Casey Bell from the Shake Up Learning Show, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Joe Johnson. He's the CEO of Elevate Performance. He's a leadership coach and a leadership consultant. He's a former defensive standout at the University of Notre Dame football program and a professional football player in the USFL with the Jacksonville Bulls. Today we're talking about leadership, leadership coaching, and team building. Thanks for listening. Lots to learn today. By the way, don't forget, share and subscribe. That's right. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Joe Johnson was born in Fostoria, Ohio in 1963, a small town located in northwestern Ohio. In 1980, he signed a football scholarship with the University of Notre Dame and went on to be a four-year starting offensive defensive back for the Fighting Irish football team. Eventually, Joe was selected tri-captain of the 1984-85 Fighting Irish football team. He played with number 75, Larry Williams, who's the current AD at the University of Akron, and number 55, Mike Golick of ESPN fame. After Notre Dame, he played professional football. He was number 48 for the Jacksonville Bulls in the United States Football League, the USFL. And in 1989, he transitioned out of competitive sports and to, into corporate America within financial services, where he rose to the level of executive vice president. In 2009, he decided to share his personal, athletic, and per- professional experiences to help organizations and individuals develop their leadership skills. Joe, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Hello. Good morning. Well, glad you're here. And, and before we talk, I got to talk about you attending the University of Notre Dame. What led you there? What, I, and how did you end up, what led you go on to play football at University of Notre Dame? Well, that's an interesting story. I actually, I grew up in Ohio. So I was all my life, I dreamed of going to the University of Ohio State, uh, the, the Ohio State University. And I was recruited. I was fortunate enough to be you know, a pretty good football player. And I was recruited by practically every school in the country. Uh, but so I wanted to just go out and look at other schools just to make sure that I was making the right decision. And Notre Dame was one of those schools. And I went to Notre Dame and the rest is history. It just it grabbed me. It, it, it felt good. And I felt at home, and I selected the University of Notre Dame you know, over uh, the Ohio State University at the time. That's cool that uh, to know that that was kind of in competition there because you had that thought of going there and uh, and it, go to Notre Dame. And it, it's funny because when I when I met you first and I found out all that history there, I mean, you sent me down memory lane because I guarantee you that I was rooting for you when you were on the field because my dad was a huge Notre Dame fan, and he never went there, but uh, he grew up. Italian Chicago, um, Catholic Italian in Chicago, and uh, so there's only one university that you rooted for, <laughs> and uh, and so he imparted that into right, me. Right, right. <laughs> he imparted that into me. Now, in in the modern era, I've graduated from other universities, and you know Notre Dame has become kind of like the sworn enemy because they constantly you know cause us issues on the football field. But <laughs> we will uh, um, <laughs> we'll not go there. But I think it's cool that. Um, that you went there and uh, that you um, were so successful. And as well as that, uh, not only, like I said, I would have been, because my dad did not miss a Notre Dame football 
game on TV. I mean, it's, it's literally, there's nothing that came between him watching. Um, and so I'd sit there watching and then, uh, your world, uh, um, we kind of crossed paths again because I was going to Jacksonville university when you were on the, on the bulls team. And so I actually went and saw a couple of games there. And I think that's kind of a neat small world sort of thing. So I was sitting in the stands while you're playing for the bulls. What I wanted to ask you is, what would you say was one of the greatest lessons you learned from playing college and professional football? I think the number one lesson that I learned was the value of team and the value of being able to bring a group of guys together focused on one goal and one purpose. And once you identify what that purpose is, I call it the why, why we're here, why we do what we do, and everybody buys into that the rest is history. You can really accomplish whatever you set out to accomplish. And, and I think football you know, really clarified that for me. That's, that's cool. I, you know, it's uh, during, you know, one of the things that I think is uh, interesting about uh, having played at those two different levels is, you know, you're not, you got to transition between programs, the leadership of whoever's running those programs and uh, even just teammates. Did, was that in, in itself a growth experience? Well, I think that it's interesting that you say that because this is what I, this is what I do for a living now is getting people to realize and getting leaders to realize that it's to be an effective leader, you have to actually transition and, and make that change, if you will, to where the players are so that they understand that you understand them. It's better. It's easier for you as a leader to uh, adjust to your players than for you as a leader to expect your players to adjust to you. And I think in today's environment, because it's so diverse and, you know, people are wired so differently in terms of their realities, their life realities, I think effective leaders actually adjust to their players, their teammates, and they don't expect their teammates, the teammates to adjust to them. It's, and it's really, that's the difference between management and leadership in my, in my opinion. Awesome. You know, one of the things I want to talk about is on, on your website, you have this on your about page. You say, I truly believe that we all have the capacity to become whatever we aspire to be. Ironically, most of the time, we don't realize that we are what's stopping us from reaching our potential. At times during our life's journey, we continuously question our abilities and may need someone to help us get back on track to provide direction. That's where we come in. We will provide support to you and your team to ensure that you're on the track to maximize success. Could you share a little bit about what you're talking about and your thoughts there? Well, Steve, I think that growing up, I grew up in a small town, Pastoria, Ohio, population of about 15,000 people in northwestern Ohio. And I grew up in a dysfunctional family one parent household and I, I didn't have the, I didn't have the mentors or the role models uh, as I was growing up, but yet I attended university of Notre Dame on a football scholarship, used my athletic ability to, to be able to get that scholarship. I graduated from university of Notre Dame. I was a captain of the university of Notre Dame football team. I played professional football and then I transitioned into corporate America where you know, I became executive vice president of wealth management. And just think about that. I became executive vice president of wealth management. I was helping people uh, determine how to manage their assets, their wealth transition. You know, I, those things I was doing with billionaires in some cases. And I came from a low-income family that actually was on welfare from time to time. 
So think about, you know, I, I always think about and reflect on where I started and what I've accomplished. And along the way, there was a lot of times where I questioned myself, can I do this? I think that many of us, if not all of us, you know, kind of have a sand, uh, we have a, we make a line uh, in the sand and I call it our beyond too far line, meaning that that's our maximum. That's, that's as much as we can do. And our goal is to get you beyond your, your, get you past your beyond too far line. And it takes coaching to do that because it's something that you naturally would, wouldn't do. You naturally resist because you're uncomfortable because it means you, you have to change. It means that, you know, there's a development that needs to take place. And what we want to do is we want to help you get beyond your too far line that we all have. If, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. I think that's, that's, that's great. And that's, you know, we're going to get into a little discussion in just a little bit about coaching and so forth. And I, I think that's an important uh, aspect of that, that, uh, um, and I like that get you beyond your too far line, um, beyond that. I, I like that idea. So good stuff. The, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I had the great fortune of having you as a teacher instructor in a leadership coaching class, and you were engaging, you were inspiring. And, and, and so let's, you know, you just started talking about coaching just a little bit. Let's talk about coaching. What do you see coaching as and what's its purpose? I think the purpose of coaching is to, again, keep you, keep you focused on what you, what you need to do in order to be the best you that you can be. And I think coaching, especially from a leadership standpoint, especially from an educator standpoint, coaching is not sitting in your office. Coaching is actually being on the field, being in the classroom, you know, helping people understand every day that they have the potential to be whatever they want to be and helping them understand that you're there to help them reach their, their aspirations, their goals, their dreams. And I tell people all the time, you can't do that from your office. You've got to do that, you know, where they are. You've got to be in their world and you've got to, it's, coaching really requires what I call real-time course correction, meaning that when you see someone doing something that uh, maybe they're not doing it the way that they're supposed to do it or they've modified doing it and it's causing some issues, you can real-time course correct them, but you can't do that from your office. And so I try to get people to understand that in order to be an effective coach, you have to be in their presence and you have to have a level of everybody has to understand what you're coaching to what is the purpose what's the why and if you create that shared why then it's easy to coach because you're always moving towards that shared why and if somebody's doing something that's not going to get you to your why your purpose as a team then as a coach you have to course correct them so that they're always moving towards the why the purpose that's powerful. I, I love this. The, uh, one of the things that I think uh, I want to make sure I get to in this discussion is that oftentimes I think uh, um, there might be some resistance to having a coach. But before we go there, would you say that most leaders really need some sort of a coaching relationship? And if so, why? Well, I think that if you are a true leader, you'll understand the value of coaching. And that is, to me, the difference between management and leadership. Management is you know, task-based, it's uh, transaction-based, you know, you, at the end of the day, you're checking your boxes off to make sure you did everything you were supposed to do that day. Leadership is being, is people-based, and it's being out of your office, and it's actually maybe a little bit more uncomfortable because it caused, it, 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 in order to be an effective leader, you have to have that human interaction. 
And that human interaction sometimes is uncomfortable. And so a lot of individuals would rather stay in their office and be the manager versus being out of their office and becoming that leader that's respected by their, their teammates. And so as a coach, you need to really, yeah, a coach, what a coach does is it keeps individuals focused on the leadership side of it, not necessarily the management side of it, but the leadership side of it. The things that may be uncomfortable for someone, a coach helps them push through. And, you know, going back to my football days, a coach is like being, having a training partner. You know, you, you, you know that your partner is going to hold you accountable and you know, you've got to be in the moment or you're, you're, your training partner is going to call you on it. That's really what a coach does. And I would say that probably 80 to 90% of Fortune 500 leaders have coaches because they know that their primary focus is the day-to-day. The leadership gets them outside that box and focus on what do we need to do, not today, but three years from now, five years from now, seven years from now to be successful. That's awesome. You know, it's, uh, and I, and I so agree with you. I mean, the idea that, uh, I, I like what you said, you talked about helping to push you through, um, those difficult, uh, decisions or the things that you possibly might get stuck over here, you know, wanting to just deal with management issues, whereas, cause the leadership part of it's more difficult or whatever. I like that thought there, the, the cause that's, uh, definitely a, a role that, uh, people who've coached me have helped me do or get through. Right. Nice. The, uh, you know, why do you think some people resist this? What, the coaching aspect? Well, I think it because it's uncomfortable. And I tell them all the time that growth is uncomfortable and you need to feel uncomfortable. And I tell individuals that I coach, individuals that are attend my seminars, I, I tell them that, you know, today my goal is to make you uncomfortable because if you're uncomfortable, that means you're growing. And, but being uncomfortable is, doesn't feel good. And so a lot of people resist it because just because of that mere fact that it doesn't feel good. It's, it's something that they're going to have to come to grips with that maybe a, a skill that they need to develop a, a knowledge or behaviors that they need to, to modify. And I think that that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. So, you know, if I don't know it, I don't have to change it. And so they resist coaching in, in a lot of ways because they, you know, they feel, they feel uncomfortable. They just, coaching makes you feel naturally uncomfortable, but that uncomfortable feeling to me means that you're growing. And, and I try to get that across to, to my, to my clients, to the individuals that attend my seminars. Excellent. Just, I think it's important and having um, been in some of your trainings, it does come through loud and clear, which I love that. The, uh, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure that I, uh, I ask you here is, so tell us about Joe Johnson as a coach. What, is, what, what would a client expect uh, to happen? I mean, how do you interact with, with a client? Well, that's a good question, Steve. I think that the first thing I do is I want to understand their purpose, their why. Why, what do you want to accomplish? You know, what do you, what do you at the end of the day, what's your purpose in your job? You know, and I even look at educators. You know, I would ask an educator, what is your purpose? What do you, where do you see yourself? Not today, but where do you want to see yourself three years from now, five years from now, you know, 10 years from now and beyond. And once I do that, I can then define what are some of the areas that we're going to need to focus on in order for you to get to those, uh, to meet those aspirations. And I think that, you know, Joe as a coach is to really be there to, to really support you, you know, in, in your journey. And I think that, you know, to keep you focused on, on the purpose, the why, 
you know, I will ask questions. They will, clients will tell me what they're doing and I'll ask them, you know, well, let's look at your why, your purpose that we, we determined on the front end. And if our, my client is doing things that aren't going to get them to their why, then I have to redirect them. And I think that we develop a personal relationship so that every day they know that I'm there to support them and help them and, and in many ways challenge them to be the best that they can be. That's excellent. The, the thought of coaching, I think sometimes it, being able to have that personal interaction with somebody who doesn't have a political stake in whatever it is you're dealing with, um, it can be so important to helping you get beyond whatever it is that's stopping you. Um, do you see that? Right happen often that kind of that trust develop and uh, connection to help them move on? Yeah, I think it's a matter of trust. And I think it's a matter on the client side, it's a matter of emotional intelligence. And, you know, to understand that we all have things, you know, we all have strengths, but we also have limitations. And you have to develop that trust, you know, between the client and well, between me and the client, there has to be a level of trust, respect and value there so that they know and they understand that I am, I want you to be the best you that you can be. And in order to do that, I'm going to challenge you from time to time. In fact, I will probably challenge you more than you want me to challenge you, but it's a, it's, it goes back to football. If the coach isn't yelling at you, that's when you need to be concerned because that means he gave up on you. And I tell my clients, I'm going to push you to be your best and that's going to feel uncomfortable. And, you know, but it does require a level of trust uh, between the client and I. Uh, excellent. Uh, I, I love having this conversation with you. One of the things I want to make sure that I do is um, you also do, I, I want to get into something else that you do besides the coaching. You also do public speaking and, and training. And um, what I'd like to do is uh, kind of get into that for just a minute. Um, you have a couple of topics that you talk about, some of which are, you have many, but some of which are team building, effectively managing change and motivating your team. Why, why have you selected some of these as topics, especially those that I just mentioned? Well, I think the topics that I select, that I, I feel comfortable, that I feel is my purpose, my why, is to topics that are going to make the team to maximize the impact of the team. And not an individual, but the team. And I think that, you know, team dynamics, managing change, those topics are key to, to, to actually having a high-performing team. You know, managing a, you know, a team, if you will, it goes back to the why. Let's go back to the why. You know, as a coach or as a leader, your people have to understand what their why is. And, and I tell people all the time, don't make it your why, make it your team's why. I call it the shared value, the shared purpose. Because if your teams have a shared purpose, they're going to, they're going to buy into it because they, they, they helped create it. And I think once you create the shared purpose, the shared why, then as you, you know, as you, your strategies, you're, you, you always have to go back to the, to the why or the purpose. And I think that it, that actually creates team, that creates camaraderie, if you will, that creates the dynamics on a team that are gonna make, take that team to the next level. And it also, reduces change the the resistance to change because we're actually moving towards the same purpose a, a purpose that we all have i call fractional ownership in and so once you have that fractional ownership change the resistance to change is greatly reduced because it's something we all agreed on it's not my it's not my purpose it's our shared purpose our shared our shared why 
And so the topics that I, that I teach always go back to that core belief that we all have to have skin in the game. We all have to have fractional ownership and we all have to have that shared vision, that shared purpose. And so all the topics I teach, even if it's emotional intelligence or unconscious bias, it all goes back to the shared why. You know, as a principal, for example, an educator, you know, you've got to get your, as a principal, you've got to get your teachers and your administration to really buy into the shared why. And then every day you need to sit down with them or as you, as you watch them, make sure that their behaviors are consistent with that shared why, that shared belief, that shared purpose. And I think as teachers, you need to do that with your children, that you're, that you're your students, that if you, if you, you get them to believe in the shared why, why they're there, believing in things that they, that are bigger than them, not just today, but where, what they could be. And it just makes it you so much more powerful in, in your role. So, you know, the, the, the workshops, the seminars, the public speaking that I do always is grounded in the shared purpose, your purpose, your team's purpose. And, you know, are you doing the things that need to move you, you know, in the direction of your purpose? And, and I think that it makes it impactful for me because I know that everybody has to hear the same message 30, 35 times before they're going to change behaviors. And so my goal as a coach, my goal as a facilitator, as a speaker is to really provide them with that, help them, help them get to that mindset that, you know, I need to really understand my purpose. And I also, if I'm people, I need to make sure that we all have a shared purpose. So we're all moving in the same direction. Awesome. One of the things that you make me think about is there, as you talk about this, is that they're, you know, in working with teams, building teams, inheriting new teams and trying to make them come together as a team, <laughs> there, there's all kinds of uh, issues that can crop up in there. What do you think is, is one of the greatest problems leaders face when being tasked with building a team? The, big, the biggest difficulty is the amount of investment that you have to put into creating a team. And, and we tend to look for immediate satisfaction. We want to, managers, we want to have immediate success. Leaders are actually investing, and it's an investment. And you've got to invest. And, you know, you're not going to get, to, you may not get the return today, tomorrow, but, you know, six months from now, a year from now, that's when you start, you know, getting the return on your investment. And I think the biggest issue that, uh, or, or I would say hurdle, that many people need to get over is that, you know, I, I can't just focus on today. That's what managers do. I need to focus on the future and that's what leaders do. And they're always looking at what transformation has to take place on my team to get me from where I am. I call it our current state to where we want to be. And I call that our future state. Excellent. Thank Thank you so much. That's, I, you know, it's, to me, there's, there's such a, um, it, if you're a leader, you're going to be faced with building a team or reconstituting a team or, you know, starting from scratch or, you know, all kinds of different aspects of it. And I, and I appreciate you sharing those thoughts. The, you know, do you have a favorite topic that you like to speak and train on? Is, you know, I've, I've been choosing the topics here to talk about. Do you have a favorite one? You know, I, I actually, my favorites are emotional intelligence and unconscious bias. Because I think those are two two topics that we all need to really get comfortable with. And in, in, in terms of uh, intelligence, I think with emotional intelligence, 
you know, that really is something that we have to have. And the studies show that in order to be an effective leader, you have to have a high level of emotional intelligence. And, and understanding and having the self-awareness of, you know, what your strengths are, what are some limitations you have, and being able to have a, a level of emotional intelligence that allows you to accept, you know, the things that are hard to accept. You know, you, you know we, all, we all can accept the, you know, our strengths, but sometimes we find it more difficult to accept that, the fact that we all have, you know, limitations to a certain extent. And, and I think that, you know, emotional intelligence allows you to stay in the moment emotionally and not allowing your emotional triggers to take you in a, a, a different direction and sometimes the wrong direction. So I like to talk about emotional intelligence. I like to talk about personalities. I think that, you know, when we talk about your personalities, again, like emotional intelligence, we all have personalities. And, you know, our personality trait is going to, we have strengths based on our personality trait, but again, we have limitations that we need to develop. And we need to understand how our personality plays in our, in our you know, day-to-day interactions, because they do. Our personality and our unconscious bias really drives 90% of our day-to-day interactions. And we don't have the self-awareness of those triggers that we have you know, based on our personality, based on our emotional intelligence, based on our unconscious bias, if we don't understand those, those, how those things play into our day-to-day interactions, we're, it's probably going to limit our ability to be a, a highly effective leader. Gotcha. The, uh, one of the things that uh, I think that, uh, you know, any of these topics, you know, just something that a leader needs to have some help with. Uh, how do you go about figuring out, I want to switch back to coaching before I, I start bringing this to a close. How do you go about figuring out, because you just made me think about, uh, you know, how that might come out in a coaching session. Let's, let's talk a little bit about emotional intelligence. Let's talk a little bit about unconscious bias. Let's, I mean, what helps you go a certain direction? Do you watch someone work or do you just have conversations with them or, you know, what, what might help you bring speaking topics into what you do with a coaching client? Well, you know, what I do is I actually will use, you know, a number of different assessment tools. And, you know, you know we did the, when, when we did our workshop, we did a personality assessment, if you remember. Yes. And those tools will get at things that quite frankly, I may not be able to get at just by having a conversation with you. And so, you know, what I do is I, and I encourage everybody to, to, to use the, use those tools, those, those unbiased assessments to at least give you an idea of what are some of those things that you need to work on that uh, maybe some limitations that you have that you didn't know you had, or just create a higher level of self-awareness. So I think the first thing that we have to do is, it's our conversation is great. I can quickly talk with you and kind of uh, assess your personality, you know, your level of emotional intelligence based on how you respond to questions that, that I may ask you. But I always use unbiased assessments because those tools, it's not Joe Johnson, you know, telling you what you need to work on. Those tools are indicators of things, you know, areas that you may need to develop to become a highly effective leader. And then once we have the results of those tools, it kind of helps us create a roadmap uh, that will be in parallel to your journey, your purpose, your why. And then, you know, we use that information to really, you know, map out a plan that will get you where, you know, get you get you to the place that you want to be, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now. Very nice. Very nice. Before we go, if someone wanted to connect further with you, Joe, where would you send them? And also please share anything else you would about your company, Elevate Performance. 
little bit about Elevate Performance. I think that, you know, we're here and, you know, I started this company. Really, it's an opportunity for me to share, you know, my, my personal experiences, my athletic experiences, and my professional experiences, you know, as they relate to leadership. And I think that I've had a level of success in all three of those areas beyond my, my wildest dreams. And for me, you know, Elevate Performance is to really allow you to or help you, you know, individuals to have that same level of success. And I think that you know, we all have a purpose, we all have a journey, but I think the, the most important thing that we do at Elevate Performance is we challenge you and to be the best you. And I, I, I say that because we all feel that we have limitations. I said this earlier in our conversation, you know, our goal is to get you beyond your too far line and to make you realize and help you realize that, you know, if you are really interested in being the best you, being the best leader that you can be, you know, we will help you develop the skills that will will get you there. And our skills, the way we develop things, it's not just for the business world. It's really how we really want to understand what you want to accomplish, you know, both in your personal life to a certain degree, but also in your professional life. And because the skills that we develop are transfer, you know, they, they are transferable. You can use the, the skills at work and become the best leader that you can be, or you can lead the you know, use the skills at home to the, be the best spouse that you can be the best parent that you can be and you know and we want you you know our goal is to be the best that you can be and we want to elevate your performance on all the fields that you play in, you know, on in your personal life as well as your business life and you can contact us at 301-802-5840 or at elevate to perform.com that's e-l-e-v the number eight Perform.com. Excellent. And I'll have uh, the, the links to uh, um, Joe's email as well as to the website and that phone number as well as some other links on, uh, on my show notes. So those of you driving or jogging or doing whatever right now, just all you got to do is just go to my uh, show notes for Teaching Learning Leading K-12 and uh, you'll find uh, the links as well as that phone number to get in contact with Joe. Well, Joe, before you go, I've got two last questions and they go, okay. like, and they go like this. <laughs> If you had the chance to talk with an audience of brand new school principals, what is one piece of advice you would give them about leading? I would say the first piece of advice is that your job does not make you a leader. And you have to develop into a leader. And I would say that your job gives you your, your title of principal educator gives you a certain amount of power but it does not make you a leader and you have to earn that that title and i would tell them that in order to earn that title you have to earn the respect the trust and the value from your teammates from the individuals that you're leading and that takes time and effort and it's it, it really in order to make that happen you have to kind of step back and and, and and inventory if you will you know what are the skills that i currently have that will lead me to that leadership spot but also what are the areas that i need to work on and leaders have a high level of humility knowing that they don't know everything and that there's areas that they're going to have to develop and I would tell them that, you know, your journey as a principal has just started. And it, it's not the end point, it's the start point. So as a principal, as an educator, what are you going to do? What kind of, what level of commitment are you going to make to be the best principal 
slash leader that you can be. And that's a personal, that's a personal decision. But if you want to be the best leader, you want to be the best principal that you can be that will support not only your teachers, but the students that, that are looking to you for that leadership, for that guidance. You know, it's an ongoing process. It doesn't stop. People, I look at people, all, I watch people all day, and they look at a Le, LeBron James or a Steve Jobs, and they think that, oh, these, these individuals are just born with leadership skills. No, they've worked at it. They work harder than everybody else. And that's why only about 20%, 30% of our population are leaders. The rest are high, you know, they may be highly capable managers, but what do you want to do? Do you want to be a highly capable manager? Or do you want to be a, a high-performing leader? And if you want to be a high-performing leader, I'd love to work with you. And, and I think that that's going to – but you've got to roll up your sleeves and, you know, be willing to work at it because it, it does take work. Awesome advice. I love it. I love that advice. La last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? You know, that's interesting, Steve. I, I, I do. And it started when I was in high school, obviously, um, or for me. And it was my high school football coach slash, you know, guidance counselor. And he was my leader. He made me see beyond too far, that, lo that line. He told me one day, he said, Joe, you can be one of the best defensive backs in the country. And I said, I can't be, a, that, I can't be the best defensive back in the country. I'm from Foster, Ohio, population 15,000. I can't compete against the, the individuals from Cleveland or Cincinnati, Columbus, LA, New York. I'm not there. I don't have that ability. And he kept telling me over and over again, no, you can be one of the best defensive backs in the country. And I, I, I started to believe it over time, but he continued to tell me, continued to push me, continued to challenge me. And then things started to, you know, started to happen for me to make me realize that maybe I could be one of the best uh, four defensive backs in the country. And, you know, by my senior year in high school, I was one of the best top four defensive backs in the country. And he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And that's what leaders do. And, you know, outside of my mother, I respect him more than anything else, because without him, I probably would not have attended University of Notre Dame or played professional football or, or had the success in corporate America. But he made me think beyond too far. And I respect and value and honor him for that each and every day. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Because we all need the people who believe in us to help give us that extra push that helps us uh, achieve our dreams or whatever it is that we're thinking about that maybe we're starting to question ourselves. That's an awesome story. I appreciate you sharing. The, you and know, I think, you know, Steve, with, you know, with educators, I think that that's, that should be your purpose. You should, you know, one of the leadership, you know, one of your leadership goals is to get your students to think beyond too far. And each and every day when you go into that classroom, when you're with your educators as a principal, when you're with your teachers, get them to think beyond, you know, beyond that point of too far. Because a lot of times we set those limitations. And in many cases, we don't even realize that we set, we put those limitations on ourselves. But that's what leaders do. Leaders identify those limitations that, that, that their folks have, their team members have, and they're day-to-day -day responsibility is to get them to think beyond too far. And if you can get people to think beyond too far and get and, and, and you know, walk over that line that they placed in the sand, 
you know what, I'll tell you, they're going to respect you, they're going to value you, and they're going to trust you beyond your wildest dreams. And I think that that's what leaders do. That's what leaders do. And, and I would tell the educators that listen to this, that that should be your, one of your primary responsibilities each and every day when you walk through those doors is how can I get someone who today can I focus on and help them get beyond too far? And if they can, if you can do that as an educator, you become a leader. And I truly believe that. I love that. That is awesome. That is exactly, I mean, that is so in our wheelhouse because that is to, to me, we're, we're about finding that special part and, and, you know, helping them connect with it as a kid and figuring out what their, what their direction is and, and helping to support them trying to figure out how to achieve that dream, you know, whatever, whatever it is and pursue it. And I think that is so powerful getting beyond that uh, too far. So awesome advice. I, I, and thank you so much for, for adding that there. I, uh, you know, Joe, thank you so much for talking with me today. You're an awesome teacher. I, I mean, and right there, I got to tell you guys, that's, that's that inspiring, engaging person that I was talking about that I had in class. And I thank you for uh, taking that extra, oh, that little step there with us. The, uh, um, you know, everyone, make sure you check out uh, Joe's website. It's E-L-E-V-8, the number eight, toperform.com. And I'll have those links in his website. Um, Joe, I wish you the best in all your leadership consulting and coaching. And thank you again so much. Thank you. I appreciate your time. And good luck to all the educators. We, we need you. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.